thank you. Uh, I was I was humbled uh, to be asked to speak and uh, to be in such august company. Um, I love I love to I love to talk and uh, let's see. Oh, uh, I'm I'm an <laughs> I'm a neurotic narcissist. If I have to identify myself as anything, um, I I do I do qualify to be here. Uh, I've been involved with uh, AA for about thirty years, and I'm twelve years sober now. Uh, and the first, I guess, uh, from the age of about uh, 14 uh, to uh, until I guess the 1980s, uh, I was I, I took I smoked a lot of pot and, and uh, was using intravenous drugs, and I've been uh, uh, and 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 I and I did drink. I mean, I ended up drinking quite a bit, but it was never my thing. I could never. Uh, I too, I, I, I'm a child of, of, uh, with some European, uh, heritage. My father was from Yugoslavia and they, they felt that you should introduce children to alcohol. And, uh, but I could never believe that they were drinking scotch. I, I took a sip of scotch and I said, there's no way you guys are deliberately drinking this. And then, and they put ice in it, which is a high crime in my opinion. But uh, I was in, uh, I spent about four years all told uh, in uh, live-in drug rehabs, uh, the first starting when I was uh, 15. And I've been exposed to almost any, any kind of therapeutic situation that you can imagine. Uh, Psychiatry, you know, Jungian, Freudian, social workers, uh, you know, you name it. Um, and uh, in in the drug in the drug programs, they they have a uh, they they use what's called the encounter uh, uh, modality of therapy where you sit in a, in a, in a group with a room of people. I mean, I sit in a, a room full of people and you'll be out, let's say I'll be talking like I am now. And then someone across the room will say, why don't you, why don't the fuck you be honest for once in your life? And, and, and so it's quite different from the sort of, uh, quiet reserved atmosphere of an AA meeting. But I think, uh, I've come to really respect that type of thing because in the end, uh, it's not what I say or what somebody else says, but really what I decide to do and what how, how I think and how I feel. Um, I used to I used to do a lot of speaking uh, of uh, at um, non-agnostic AA groups, and it was always so funny because the first thing I would always say was. Um, I love AA. It's just the people in the meetings that I can't stand. And, <laughs> and I had the meeting out of my hand from that point on because, the, uh, you know, the truth has a, a way of ringing, ringing true. Uh, but in, in the same uh, vein, it's, it's more important. The truth is more important than being right. And uh, so when I stopped drinking, and when I stopped uh, taking, you know, getting 
getting bombed in one form or another, it quickly became uh, not about that at all. Uh, and I'm, I'm the type of person that gets struck sober. Uh, I became so unhappy that I, I ran to get so, I mean, I, you couldn't pay me to, to get high and drink. Uh, until that moment when, I mean, I never white knuckled it, as I've heard people say. Uh, when, I, when I heard the call, I answered it. Uh, but after maybe 12 or 15, you know, 12 incidents like that, where all of a sudden uh, I'd, I'd drink half a, half a bottle of Guinness and then leave it there. Um, I remember once I was in a, a, a Chinese restaurant and I was reading that uh, William Saroyan said that you have to you have to be an alcoholic to be a good writer. You have to drink to be a good writer. So I said, "Wow, that's that's for me." And so I I got a Guinness and I drank half of it and I was able to leave and not finish it. And, I, and that proved to me that I wasn't, you know, that I didn't have a problem and that uh, I, I had been creating this fantasy that I had a problem, but. Uh, very quickly, in every instance, uh, my life returned uh, to in in a period, a sh very short period of, of maybe even week, you know, short couple of weeks, where my life became just the purpose of my life became never running out of pot, and and drinking Guinness until I was you know insensate and and, and you know went to sleep. Um, so I, AA was, was, uh, was a refuge for me because I was so unhappy and I spent, uh, most of my time in, in the early days, uh, where I would come to the meeting and just weep, weep with relief. Uh, and, uh, but th that quickly that, that sense of relief started to wear off because I was hearing there was a, a, a conflict because here I was having left a smoking crater in my wake um, throughout my life. And yet I was having doctrinal differences with the people and the meetings that I was attending. Um, it's, it felt like I was at a party to which I, I was crashing a party to which I was not invited. And uh, it, it felt like uh, it, it's, it's very impolite to come to someone's house for dinner and then start telling them, well, you know, the roast was overcooked and I wouldn't have served that, those kind of potatoes with, with that. And, uh, you know, it's very nice, but you know, uh, this sort of wine always gets served with that food. And, so I'm being thrown a life, I'm being thrown a life preserver. And then I, I read the, that it's the white star line. And I say, oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I think I'll just stay in the ocean. I, you know, I don't approve of this company. But at the same time, I was admonished to be honest. Honesty, uh, time and time again people would say, you have to be honest. But when I was honest, the temperature in the room dropped 40 degrees 
and uh, I became the target of people who were telling me that there was no way I was going to make it with with my attitude. And being a a, a puffed up supercilious know it all, uh, I I was in a room. I was in a, a duel of wits with unarmed opponents. And so I, and, and it became, but I, oh, I, I mean, I was so relieved just to have to, to, to not be drinking and getting high uh, that I, I went to meetings all the time. And it was never a decision, I'm going to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. It's just that by about two o'clock in the afternoon, I became very uncomfortable. Uh, and and uh, going to a meeting, split that time like gave me enough of a distraction so that I could finish out the day and not sort of obsess on 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 a desire to to get some pot or to have a drink and after a while um my friends in the groups uh begged me to go to agnostic meetings they said Marco there's no you don't have to suffer like this there are agnostic meetings. <laughs> you can go to them. Please go to, please go to those meetings. So I did, and I, I I've never looked back. I was home, uh, and the, you know, there, there's been a, a constant harangue throughout history about uh, theistic talk gods no god you know but no matter what no matter what you decide to call it the the, the the meeting point is thoughts and feelings thoughts and feelings the spirit is the flesh no matter what mountaintop you go to you're still what you're left with is your feelings and your ideas about whatever it is you're thinking about and feeling and so what to do now you know when now okay now i'm sober what do i do i i quickly found that anxiety was the main my main problem and uh i didn't know what to do about it and 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 i and i i fought the idea of taking antidepressant medication for a long 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 time but uh, after trying many different things, uh, it was amazing how it cleared up uh, uh, a lot of the impediments to, to living, uh, a fulfilling, to living a fulfilling life. And my goal now uh, has become to be uh, fearless and friendly. Uh, that uh, in, in a vain effort to educate myself, uh, I've amassed a, a, a huge library and, and uh, you know, I'm a writer, I was a, a spoken word uh, performance artist. And um, so I get a lot of help out of putting my uh, thoughts to paper and my journals uh, are, are a big, uh, are, are solace. Um, and 
I don't make decisions. I'm sort of, um, the, the world kind of leads me. I, I react uh, to life. Uh, I've, I've never been much help uh, to other people or, or, or performing the role of someone who's uh, an advisor or a helper or a big brother or a sponsor. Uh, I'm actually a spectacular failure uh, at doing that. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, you know, if you want to talk to me, okay. But I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a vicious Saint Bernard that has poison in the cask instead of cognac when I when I run to help somebody, and um, so, uh, and and also that it helped me a great deal to realize. I get, there were two things that helped me immensely. One that my desperate need to be the center of attention was one of the culprits in why I was having such a difficult time in life. Uh, going out to, to dinner with eight people uh, used to be a harrowing, harrowing experience for me because uh, I experienced stark terror at not being the center of attention and to the subject of the conversation. And I would, uh, uh, I would engage in, in this sort of barking semaphore of, you know, trying to, trying to, to steer the conversation in my direction and then being uh, enraged that they didn't share my esteem and they didn't share uh, my notion of my magnificence of how terrific I was, you know, how, you know, how dare they ignore me. Um, and, but trying to talk about this, there, there were years and years of, of suffering because I, I never really came to grips with, with, uh, you know, I found a solution to the problem. Uh, and, and it was like it was like carrying around a bag of shit and then coming to someone and say, "Here, could you hold on to this for a little while?" You know, and uh, I was expecting other people to do for me what I was supposed to do for myself. And and one of the one of the biggest tools I discovered was just to shut up and listen to what other people were talking about. Stop. It's, it's so simple that it. All I had to do was nothing. <laughs> All I had to do was instead of uh, it was to be instead to listen to other people instead of anxiously waiting for my time to speak and actually ignoring what they were saying. Because I wanted to talk about me. I, I had a friend uh, who's no longer with us, but uh, he was sort of probably the most famous person in the world, in the world of harp. And that's stringed harps, not harmonica, but harp harps, like Irish harps. Uh, but because the world of the harp is such small potatoes, uh, nobody's ever heard of him. <laughs> but uh, he was a composer and a scholar of the first rank, and he took me under his wing and educated me. It was a, truly a Pygmalion story of the first rank. And uh, 
I used to, I'm a chef by trade, and I used to talk to him about what I did today, what, uh, what I did. I made a, uh, you know, I made this and that. And, and I would become enraged because to him, I could have, uh, it, it, in, instead of saying I'd made a salmon coulibiac with the Berblanc, uh, I had said, well, I took a box of Aunt Jemima's and added water to it and I made some pancakes. That was the level of his interest and him being impressed at what I was doing. So my, but it, it offended me so much that it just, <laughs> I was miserable. So my goal is, and also I've noticed that uh, I, again, I'm gonna return to the dogs because uh, contentment is as rare in human beings as it is common in animals. And I saw, I, I love the way that dogs come up to somebody that they don't know. And how many times have you met a dog that, you know, it's a strange dog, there's someone's walking their dog and they come up to you like, oh my God, he's here, hi. Oh God, hello, hello. And uh, I sort of try to incorporate that into my life. I mean, you can't, and you can pet animals, you can give them physical, attention and touch in a way that you cannot do with human beings. You can't walk up to somebody and pet them. Uh, and so I end up feeling uh, envious in a way of, of, of that, uh, the, the attention that we uh, uh, wantonly bequeath to animals that we so stingily hoard uh, amongst ourselves. And, um, so I've, um, I've, I've, I've sort of crossed the Rubicon. Uh, I, I no longer base a lot of my thoughts and ideas about getting high and drinking. It's like the, the, the things to know and things to do in the world are so vast that I find I, I, I'm not that interested in, in, in uh, recovery and AA and discussions about recovery and AA. And uh, I, I'd rather be buried in an anthill really than to read AA literature. Uh, and uh, I mean, I have the, I've read them all, I have them on my shelves, but I, I move on. I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd rather read Will Durant or, or, or William James, or I mean, who, how many, you know, pick one. Uh, and, and so to me, being happy is, and, and finishing my, my, uh, my work, my projects are what sustains me. And uh, not, not knocking on closed doors. I mean, uh, another of my big, uh, problems was that I would emotionally hallucinate. I could I could walk past someone in the street, and and the thought that comes to my mind is, why why don't they like me? And so it's it's such a relief to set that set that burden down to just change that channel because I found that. These types of thoughts were almost always wrong. 
because everybody's got a lot of much more important things to do than wonder about me and what I'm doing. So it's been a huge help to me uh, to, to, as I said, to change the channel. Uh, and, and the way that I, I mean, I, I stay going to AA meetings and I, uh, I could just as soon really uh, go to NA meetings, but the, the reading level is higher at AA meetings, frankly. Uh, and so I, 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 I prefer to go to AA meetings. And uh, it's, it's uh, apparent to me that one of the things that's so powerful about AA or the or 12 step uh, modality is that it throws you back upon yourself because you're the only one talking. The, the anonymous nature of the all the people listening creates them as anonymous because they're not they're not interacting with what you're saying so you don't get into personal disagreements or someone disapproving or approving what you're saying and so you end up you end up being thrown back upon yourself and you know be, being addicted to something is sort of like a dragon guarding its cave you know the treasure in the cave that the world is bent on on robbing from them uh, and so it it becomes incumbent upon me to be the steward of of my own fate uh, and, uh, and th th what, what makes that interesting is that sometimes it's like being the captain of a ship that's actually steering itself uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, the thinking and feeling are, are so habitual because you, it's an automatic, you have an automatic response. Uh, it, generally, they change the course of a river by having to dynamite it so that it can go in a different direction. And the same is true with neuronal, neuron, neuron pathways and the way that people think and feel. And so you're faced with building something different. That's, that's for me what I do is that uh, now I work on the things that I love uh, I, I have attention deficit, uh, hypertension. Uh, and so uh, I generally don't finish things that I start. And so it's my goal to just, you know, work on myself, work on my projects, do my, you know, study, read, write. Uh, I, I, I've left uh, many careers. <laughs> My friends used to say I've got, I have a great future behind me. I've, I've left a lot of careers. I mean, I, I, I could have had a career in any number uh, of things, but it's like a, the, the next shiny bauble attracts my attention. And so I go and do that. And the years progress. You know, you, you get older sitting in a chair no matter what you do. And eventually, I start to count the grains of sand uh, going through the hourglass, uh, and it becomes more valuable. And people become more valuable to me too. And the goal for me is to just be be nicer, not be such a know-it-all. Uh, and I guess uh, I think that brings me to the end of my tale.
but uh, I'm really happy to have been asked to speak. Thank you so much.